Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Psalm chapter 103. Psalm 103. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, and look, if you have infants today, and um, just because they don't have a dedicated room doesn't mean they don't have a place. Um, our nursery has room for infants this morning. Um, it is right in the cafe. So if you go out here to the cafe, um, unless you want to cuddle them during service, which is most of us, you know, you just want to cuddle them babies. So um, Psalms 103, and we're going to read here in just a second, but I need to recap. We are in week, let's see, four. We're in week four of our series, walking through some psalms. We've been picking some psalms out, and this is what we've been attempting to do. We've been attempting to bridge what scriptures say, what what the Bible says, and how we feel. What does it say, how do I feel? Because they oftentimes don't mesh, right? So uh, we see all through the Psalms a spattering of um, all types of emotions. And we started out um, three weeks ago in Psalm 1, and we found out that the Psalms should shape our thinking and our feeling about everything. So the Word of God isn't just meant to be an information download. It is meant to shape you. Let me just let me put it let me put it plain for you. When you leave here, if you're a Christian and you leave here, this word should have changed you. <laughs> what do you mean, pastor? What do you mean? I'm just going to Wendy's after this, and then I've got Monday through Friday. You don't know the people I work with. You don't know what I go home to. Uh, that's too much to ask. No, I'm, it is not. It is, it is an expectation of the Christian, but then it is also your redemption to let this shape your, not just your mind, but your heart and how you feel. Yeah. That was Psalms 1, and we kind of learned in Psalm 1 that um, there are certain influence we should be around. There are certain influence we should be around. It says, blessed is the man that delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. This doesn't say read it day and night, but look, when you read it, we delight in it. And when we find our ultimate delight and joy right here. In the Lord, when we find it here solely, then what it will create is is a blessed life, a blessed life. Um, 
And it gives us this picture of a tree and that um, our roots, the, the more we delight in God, our roots will grow deep and out to, to the river, okay, and, and give us strength. And then we moved on to week two where we talked in Psalm 42, and we found that Psalm 42 points us to hope in God in the midst of our darkest days. That when we're discouraged and we're depressed, that we can come here to his word. And it gives us this picture of a person that just looks abandoned, okay? Completely abandoned. And, and, but you see him struggling to hope in God. He said, why are you so downcast, my soul? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. It doesn't say hope in Dr. Phil even though I really enjoy his show. It doesn't say hope um, in the bottle. It doesn't say hope in all my friends because we talked about Job and how Job lost everything he had down to the bottom. Job was like, I don't even want to, I wish I had never been born. Whoa, I, this is terrible. And his friends were like, man, it is. You're in a terrible place, and you must have done it. No, our hope is in God. Our hope is in God. I will praise him again, and then last week, Psalm 51 helped us deal with being broken over our sin. Okay, guilt, feeling guilty for what we have done, the way we have sinned against God. We talked about the fact that we should feel as Christians, if you're a non-Christian in the way, listen, non-Christians aren't going to feel guilty over sin. They're not going to care. They're not going to feel that. So I say that for two reasons. One, I feel like Christians sometimes expect non-Christians to feel guilty for sinning. No, they don't feel guilty for it. You know why? Because they haven't been made alive in Christ. Okay, so once we're made alive in Christ, there should be a weight and a breaking to how I have grieved and warred against the Savior. Um, so it helped us deal with that. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and make it so that I can obey you. And we said at the end of last week, this is what we said. While David had sexual sin, he had murderous sin, he had lying sin, he had all this sin. None of that sin was named in that chapter. You know why? Because it doesn't start with the sin. It starts with not delighting and having joy in the Lord. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And today, we're going to talk about faith and gratitude. Faith. Everybody say gratitude. Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up. We're in Psalm 103. So let's read together. We're going to read this psalm, and then we're just going to dive in for a short time. Try and answer a couple questions. Verse 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise 
his holy name. And in, in, in some of your versions, it'll say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Have you heard that song? Yeah. That's where this comes from. Verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord, verse 6, gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. We'll come back to that in a second. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. Somebody say hallelujah. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. Pause and just say that to yourself. For he knows how weak I am. If you think you have fooled him today, you have not. He sees it right to the core. He knows how weak you are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. I love this. Verse 17. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children. Of those who are faithful to his covenant. Of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels. You mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening to each of his commands. Yet, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. When I was reading this and, and studying for today, this is, this is, this is, maybe this is coming from a guy who grew up without a kind of a parental father figure. My father was around, I think, till I was right at 11, 12. I was in fifth grade, okay? So I grew up significantly without a father in the home. Um, I still talk to him. He lives in West Virginia. But, and I, I call him Pops. That's what I call him, uh, but he's not ever really been a dad or a father um, past those 11, 12 years. And, and so maybe that's why this stuck out to me. But I have to believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to hear a couple things that 
that this kind of just pops off the page. In verse 13, it says, the Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You see, good fathering points to God. Or you could even say good parenting points to God. Um, God doesn't look down and see us and say, man, I've got to pick up some tips from Carl because he's a great dad. No, that is not what happens. What happens is when I am a good father, what it does is point us to the real father. It is meant to be a shadow. I am just a shadow. Okay, so the, I want to be a good father to McKinley. I want to be a good father to Macy so they can pat me on the back. But sometimes I love cuddles and snuggling. Yeah, but ultimately, I want them to see when I am being a good father, I am that way because I have a good, good father. Yeah. Good fathering points to God. Good parenting points to God. Um, and, and then it goes on, and, and we see this phrase a couple times in the psalm, but children's children. Uh, we should be pointing the next generation to a steadfast God. So when we talk about gratitude and giving God praise, okay, there is a purpose. There is a purpose. And this purpose should mean that the God I grow to understand and praise should be caught by my kids, should be caught by the next generation. Look here at verse 17 and 18. There's, there's a couple things that we have to help our kids, the next generation, do. If you don't have kids, this is still for you, and I'll tell you why. Because there are people younger than you, except for McKinley. Uh, I think she's the youngest in the room. But for most of us in here today, there is someone looking to you. Yeah? You know that. We understand that people look to you, even if it's just in this place. But we should be pointing the next generation. And, and this is, this is kind of just a couple things here real quick. In verse 17 it says, but the love of the Lord remains forever. For who? For those who fear him. Everybody say fear. fear. We need to teach the next generation what it means to fear God. Anybody want to take a stab at what that means? Does that mean I'm like, oh, scared of God? Does, is that what that, that fear word means? No. It means a respect it means an understanding of who he is. We should fear, we should tremble at the thought of leaving God. We should fear God. And I, I think this goes without saying, but we currently have a world and a culture that has zero respect for God. He's an accessory to my life. So when things are good, we'll high five, and when things are bad, I'll come begging to him. But outside of that, he should have no control over me. That is not fearing God, and we see it in the very next point. His salvation extends to children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant and who obey his commandments. 
And we just talked about this, and we talk about this often, but there is, for the Christian, a desire to obey him. There should be within you a a grieving over sinning against God, but then there should be a desire to be more like him and to serve him and obey him. This is what it looks like to pass this on to the next generation. We need to help them be faithful. We need to learn them, to help them learn how to fear God appropriately and how to obey him. Can I shoot straight with you? I'm gonna shoot straight with you real quick. Um, I, was a, I was in student ministry the majority of my um, ministry vocational career uh, before I became your pastor. So one thing I can tell you about teenagers, any teenagers in the room? Say, hey. Okay, they're all asleep. Good. Thank you, Jalen. Glad you're here. Um, that's what teenagers do, right? Um, so teenagers, here's what I know about teenagers. Teenagers will read your mail. Yeah. So if you're being duplicitous, and by duplicitous, I mean double, if you're fake facing it and just giving lip service, they'll know. They will know. Kids know. The next generation will know. So this is what I'm saying here. A fake obedience. <laughs> okay. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 29 says it best. Listen. Listen. Isaiah 29 and verse 13 says this. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If we want to pass on a fear of the Lord, a faithfulness to the Lord, and obedience to the Lord. It has to be genuine. It has to be soul level. It has to be heart level. Otherwise, it's just lip service. (laughs) Oh, that God would forgive me for the times I thought I could fake him out. Or the times I thought I'll just act one way in front of my family and friends and act another way when no one's around. Oh, that he would forgive me for my duplicity. And so if we want to pass these things on, there has to be a genuineness. That's why it says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's got to be soul level. You're not fooling anybody. You are not fooling anybody. And maybe today that's convicting for you. Maybe, you, maybe checking the Sunday box and, and praying out loud uh, at small group, uh, maybe, maybe that encompasses all that your uh, living for the Lord looks like. But I'm telling you, at the very core level, if we're going to teach our kids, teach the next generation how to show gratitude to the Lord, to be faithful to him, we have to be faithful at a soul level. We have to allow him to change us from the heart out. Have to. So what's the most important thing we can do? 
What's the, what's the most important thing you can do today? What does Psalm, what does this Psalm tell us is the most important thing we can do to point and pass on to the next generation a faith that, that will hold tight and not shake loose? We must imitate what it means to bless the Lord. We must imitate what it means to bless the Lord. Now, I don't want you to check out right here. Look to the person next to you and say, don't check out. Yeah, don't check out. Because some of you are going to be tempted to say, oh, I'm not wired this way. Well, the Lord created me this way. I'm just not wired to do the things you're about to ask of me. And I would say, that is not true. They say, some people, some people will say, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? You've heard this? Yeah? Okay, just looking for some crowd participation. It's all right. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. But you can. And look, if you can't, God can. And look, if God can't teach you anything, well... then you have a small view of the God we serve. If you think that at uh, 50, 60, 70 years old, you shouldn't be changing for the Lord. Yeah. If you think that I'm too young, I need to, I need to live my life. No, that is not the case. You can live your life for the Lord. Uh, that, you don't have to go uh, scattered around to find joy, contentment, security, and acceptance in other places. You can live your life for the Lord and find all those things. And you will not lose out. We must imitate what it means to bless the Lord. And, and I kind of, there, there's so much here. Like I could just read the psalm and pray and say Amen. That's how good this psalm is, because this psalm is intended to create gratitude within our hearts. Jesus, there's an old song, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. And that's what this psalm is intended to do, remind us of some things so that it doesn't point us to uh, self-righteousness or point us to pat ourselves on the back, but this psalm should point you to bless the Lord with everything that is inside of you. That's what this is intended to do. So, so let's go. Reasons for blessing the Lord. And then let me tell you something. This is the most powerful thing if you can not just hear it uh, this morning at 1056 and then go home and do nothing about it. This is very powerful if you take it outside of these walls and take it to your couch, your bedroom, your dining room table, to the office. If you take this with you, all of a sudden people are going to be like, I need to know about what you're talking about. So let's go. 
Three things. I'll kind of group them together here. The first, the first reason that we can bless the Lord is he is, God is sovereign. Everybody say sovereign. Verse 19 says, the Lord has made the heavens his throne, and from there he rules over everything. Now picture this. Picture this at your kid's bedside. Picture this at the next time you're, you're sitting at Wendy's. Oh, you're going after service today. Do it when you go today. Out back, wherever you go. Grab hands around that table. And look, I'm guilty. I don't do this all the time, okay? I slack. I fall short. But there's something powerful if I do this, and I'm, my daughter's sitting here, and we're at the dinner table, and we all grab hands, and I begin, God, we bless you because you are in control of it all. I bless you because you are in control of the government. You're in control of the winds and the waves. You are in control of my marriage and my parenting. You are in control of my education. You are in control of it all. Now, look. When I, when I start praying things like you control the wind and the waves, you don't think that's going to stir up within the people around me? What kind of God is this? This is what blessing the Lord does. It points us to a sovereign God he that rules over everything. Look here in verse 20 through 22. It says, praise the Lord. You angels. And then 21, praise the Lord, you armies of angels. And then it even says in 22, praise the Lord, everything he created. What does it look like to bless the Lord in such a way that others want to bless him with you? That all of a sudden you're, you're saying, hey, you should bless the Lord with me. Because look at what he has done. And, and this is the craziest thing. This, this blew my mind. In 22, it says, praise the Lord, everything he created. The rocks, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the grass, the swaying trees. Praise the Lord. You think somebody, when you say, God, I, I bless you today because all creation blesses you. You think Macy might not come to me and say, what? rocks can bless the Lord? <laughs> Baby, let me tell you something. Scripture tells me that if I don't bless the Lord, the rocks will. That's what. Do you see how blessing the Lord passes something down to the next generation? An active blessing of the Lord. Number two, God is righteous. He's just and and we find this in verse 6. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. The next time someone comes to me for prayer because they feel like life's being unfair. What does it look like for me to grab their hands? Or lift my hands to heaven and say, bless you, Lord, because you are just. Even though what I'm looking at isn't, you are just. You are just and you're righteous to all who are treated 
unfairly. This pulls our minds out of our own rear ends long enough to see that just because we're not receiving unfairness doesn't mean others aren't. Do you see the sensitivity here that, this, that David shows? Hey, you are a God that isn't just concerned with my uh, content living, but you are also the God of, of justice and righteousness. God is righteous. And he deserves our praise for his justice. Lastly, God is merciful. He's forgiving. And if I'm just being very frank with you, this is the most powerful thing that will ever come out of your mouth. To those around you, to your kids, to your family, Let's just read about his mercy. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things, and my youth is renewed like the angels. The Lord gives, righteous and, uh, gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. You know what he's talking about? If you read the story of Moses, what you find is a people who, they see God move on a regular basis, and they still can't get it right. Still can't get it right. And if that's not us, I don't know what is. We watch God move. We watch him redeem us from the pits of hell. And then all of a sudden something comes along and we doubt who God is and what he can do. That's your default. And if you doubt your need for a savior, that is it. That should be enough that you realize your defaults are sinful and wicked. And so he remembers, he, God revealed his character to Moses. And what kind of character is that? He says it in 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. Probably the most powerful thing he says here in 10. He, he does not punish us for all our sins. Wow. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. I, I try to make that personal every time I, I read it. He does not deal harshly with Carl as I deserve. Read it that way. He's merciful. He is forgiving. His unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And, and what does it look like 
to have a family devotional night where you, maybe you pull out Psalms 103 with your friends, with your loved ones, with other church family. And let me tell you what, what I pray my greatest testimony to my daughters and my wife is is a supreme recognition of where I would be without Jesus. And some of you have not thought about it recently. To look my daughter in the eye, and I try and practice this already, is that when I lose my temper, and maybe I raise my voice to her, that I go to her and I say, hey, baby, listen, Daddy's sorry. And Daddy needs Jesus just like you do. I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. Oh, how powerful. Oh, how powerful. Some of us are too perfect to admit it. But there is a power in recognizing and blessing the Lord for being a God who is merciful. Merciful. So as I close today, that's my question to you. What is it going to take for you to begin showing gratitude to the Lord? What's it going to take? Let you think about it for a second. Some of y'all feel real awkward when I get quiet. Y'all like, man, don't leave me to my own devices. I, today, I think the greatest legacy we can leave is a legacy that in all things we Learn to bless the Lord and see his goodness and, and, and point to him. We're so quick, um, we're so quick to uh, almost forget God. There's a really good book, I encourage you to read it. It's called Forgotten God. Really, it's kind of a game-changing book outside of the Bible. Bible's the most game-changing book you can read. But most of us like to operate as if God is there when I want him to be, but outside of that, I'm not gonna bless him. I'm not gonna point to him. And I think if we were to be able to download this, if we were able to download and operate in 2020 with a spirit that no matter where we are, we find reasons to lift our hands and bless the Lord. Not pat ourselves on the back and say, man, I did a good job here. Bless the Lord because he is merciful. Bless the Lord because he is righteous. Bless the Lord because he is compassionate. Why? 
Why? Why is this important? Why is it important for you to get this? An entire generation needs it. Our children's children. So that one day, it even says it. It says it that our lives, we are made of dust. He realizes how weak we are. So he knows you're weak. And the other thing he knows is you're going to be gone one day. Hear me, saints. Hear me. One of these days, you are not going to be here if the Lord tarries. And oh, that I could be standing behind the pearly gates because I've made it home and my daughters are still here. My friends are still here. So, so say you don't have kids, but you, maybe you have friends. Maybe you have family members that haven't come to glory yet. And when I look down, what they remember of me it's not that I yelled really loud on Sundays. Because listen, y'all are only going to remember 10% of what I say up here anyway. You know how defeating that is? What they will remember, what will pass on, is that when I was faced with sickness, I lifted my hands and I blessed the Lord who is sovereign and in control and merciful. So that when they face something that they don't know how to handle, that they can then lift their hands and bless the Lord because they learned it. They watched it happen. This is more. This life, what God has placed you here and wired you for is more than just you. And so today, as we pray, we're going to enter a time of prayer. If you need prayer today, I'm, I'm standing up here. But I think really what we need to do is I need you to remember the Lord. And I need you to allow some gratitude to well up within you. Allow, some, allow the Holy Spirit to stir up within you a gratitude so that when you leave here, and not just this building, but when you leave this earth, what goes past you is a, a spirit of, I, I saw my dad bless the Lord. I can see my grandfather in heaven now. And what I remember most about my grandfather, while he used, he had these weird things he, he did. Anybody's grand, just have a weird grandpa? My grandpa was weird. If your grandpa's in the room, don't raise your hand. sinful I remember this is what I remember the, the most uh, the most epic thing I remember is I think I was, this was post divorce my parents getting divorced and so I remember being in his house and I may have told this story before but I remember he, he had a shed a metal shed he used it to stay away from my grandmother. He had a cot out there and a heater, tools. He'd go outside in the morning, never come back till it was dark. Not because my grandma was, maybe, I don't know, but 
Maybe she nagged him a little bit. I don't know. I remember walking. So, so the metal door had this little latch. He created himself. He just built all this stuff out of nothing. Just, I feel like he spit and rubbed his elbow on it, turned into a shed. Opened the door. He's got his wood stove going. And I was just broken. I was just broken over. I was like, Grandpa, you know, I go to church. I do everything I think I'm supposed to do. And, and here I am. Divorced parents. My siblings are all idiots. And if they're listening to this podcast, I'm so God, glad God has been gracious to you. And, and you're not as much idiots as you used to be. And I, he, this is what my grandfather did. He didn't point me to a self-help book. And even though at 70 years old, he probably could have given me so much life advice. You know what he did? He grabbed my hands. I remember. I remember as if I'm sitting in that old stinky wooden shed. And he grabbed my hands and he said, let's pray. And let's bless the Lord together. And he began to bless the Lord for his sovereignty and his mercy and his care and compassion. And what it did for me was it pushed me past my current situation to begin to bless the Lord. That as we learned a couple weeks ago, I will praise him again. I will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, not just lip service, but my soul declares his goodness so today, that's what I, 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 I want the Holy Spirit to well up within you. Just the ability to bless the Lord. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.